Welcome everyone back to The Lockup, bringing you inside the ring of combat sports. I am your host, Dylan Reynolds. My corner man, Dane Clark, is out for the day. Uh, we don't have too big of a show for you today. I'm not really going over a whole lot, just A, I'm solo, and also there's just not a lot of stuff that we are covering uh, that really had any big news uh, that has broken uh, since yesterday's episode, technically. So um, with that said, let's go ahead and let's get to the top of the show. So our first story of the show is, of course, an update on the Tommy Fury, Jake Paul fight that has been scheduled to happen uh, on August 6th in Madison Square Garden. Um, again, this is something we really talked about a lot uh, last episode. Um, it this is, I would believe the biggest mistake that Tommy Fury can possibly make. And this recent tweet that we're about to talk, talk about from Jake is showing that that door is closing again on Tommy Fury. And he really, if he really a wants this fight, um, and especially if he really believes that he can beat Jake, your your time's running out, kid. I mean, it, uh, I I talked a lot about it on yesterday's episode, but I am just so mind blown that this kid is possibly giving up this opportunity twice. It's not like this is the first time. This is the second time Tommy Fury is pulling out of this fight. And Obviously, at the end of the day, we only see what is reported and what each of them come out and say. But I mean, everything that I am seeing is every single issue that Tommy and his team have had. Jake has responded to that and essentially given him the keys, said, OK, you don't want me to have my team behind me because you're not going to be able to have your dad and your team there. OK, fine. We'll do that. Where are you at, Tommy? Where are you at? Um, so this is, of course, something about a tweet uh, Jake Paul tweeted out around 5, uh, 5.30 last night. Uh, Tommy is officially out by Wednesday morning if he does not go to the embassy slash come out of hiding. Three opponents are lined up. I'm built different. Um, I mean, again, we, we talk about Jake is, is giving him this final warning of, get this done or I've got people again. I, I touched on it yesterday. Uh, the only person this hurts is Tommy Fury. Jake Paul is not going to be hurt by not fighting Tommy Fury. Jake Paul is just going to keep moving on. You know, again, big fight with KSI, hopefully coming up in the pipeline. Some other interesting fights, you know, he wants to fight Canelo. He wants to fight McGregor. He wants to fight like all these interesting people. Tommy, you're not on any of those guys' levels. So why are you giving up this for for you twice in a lifetime opportunity and you're gonna give it up again? You know, the first time you can obviously say, oh well, he got injured, you know, overtrained. Uh, that's on you. I'm sorry. Uh that that's completely on you that you got hurt and overtrained and your trainers, your father, your brother were pushing you too hard. You have the ability to say, Hey, like, let's pull it back a little bit. Cause you know, 
want to make sure we don't get hurt so we can't have this fight. But I mean, I honestly, at this point, I wish Jake would just say who the three opponents he has lined up are because I, I don't know. I also think it's smart because there is that chance that it's people that are far more interesting and far more competitive than a Tommy Fury fight for him. And he, he wants to get that fight with Tommy so that, you know, but if, if he says someone who's actually good at boxing or fighting, uh, people just forget about Tommy, which again, this whole thing is Tommy's fault. It's Tommy's issue, not anyone else's. Jake is giving you multiple opportunities to get this fixed. He's given you the keys to the kingdom as far as like all the rules and all this different, all these different things. So what's the excuse, Tommy? Seriously, what is the excuse? As of right now, we do not have any official uh, acknowledgement of any of this by Tommy Fury. Uh, it's, again, it's just embarrassing honest to god truly embarrassing uh, if if you would even if the whole issue is you're not ready for the big spotlight or you don't think you can beat jake at least going in there and trying sure in some ways that would be embarrassing if he just wipes the floor with you which is a possibility um but it it's far going out on your shield and going out on your back is far more impressive and respected than just hiding, just running, just no, no selling it. You know, um, his last tweet, his last tweet was June 23rd. You know, he, he's, I I'm I'm just I'm speechless. So Tommy, figure it out, dude. Our next story is an interesting and just fun little story. Israel and Nisei at UFC 276 came out to the Undertaker's entrance theme. Uh, he had like the urn with his opponent's name on it, like the Undertaker used to have. Uh, it was an absolutely interesting and fun uh, little little touch to kind of the smack talk the mind games that you play in fighting in mma and boxing um i thought it was also funny considering um you had triple h the interim ceo of the wwe stephanie mcmahon and vince mcmahon and pat mcafee there um which real quick i'll get back to the actual story but i I'm just so confused of how much Vince McMahon is showing his face with the recent allegations and the trial that, or sorry, not trial that's ongoing, but uh, this case that is being built against him. Um, again, if, if you're a wrestling fan, especially like kind of a more hardcore wrestling fan, none of the stuff that came out about Vince the other week is a surprise. Uh, this is all stuff that we all kind of knew. Um, we kind of had that idea. We'd heard the stories over the year. Um, I mean, just how he's even paraded, uh, 
uh, himself around women on his own show before, you know, the classic uh, Trish Stratus making her bark like a dog thing. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm puzzled. I'm simply puzzled. Uh, and people have no problem with it. And they, when he comes out on WWE, they bow down to Vince McMahon. And I I, I see this this story. And again, I will get back to the, the main story here again. I constantly keep seeing this. Well, the, ca the casual fans or the families and things like that, they don't know that this stuff is going on. It was reported by mainstream media. It was not just Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer or uh, Sean Ross Sapp. It was actual mainstream media reported on it. Granted, I can say with some things, like I believe it was the CNN that Dave actually went on, like it was pretty glossed over um, just because in the business world, it A, it happens all the time. B, the only thing that's different is that normally this is what will kill someone in that wor world, usually, obviously, capitalism. <laughs> we're, we're not going to get into politics and uh, eat, hashtag eat the rich. That's all I can say. Um, but Back on to the point, uh, I mean, he, in general, uh, he had a great fight altogether. Uh, I was just able to watch it this morning. Um, I mean, it was, I felt like there was definitely parts where he kind of played it safe. Um, he didn't really go in as much as I thought he was going to and be on like the aggressive side. I mean, he was fairly aggressive throughout the fight, but I was kind of expecting more. Uh, Someone, I will classify myself as a casual MMA fan watcher. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that. Oh, I, you know, I know this guy. I, I, I know of him. I've only maybe watched two, besides this one, two of his fights before. Um, I mean, I've always kind of seen the ones I've seen have been more aggressive. I mean, even the the co-main event with Max Holloway. I mean, that was kind of something where you saw those two men go to war, and that was kind of what I was expecting from the main title fight. Um, but <laughs> regardless, uh, he had a great entrance. It was, uh, again, people who don't know and people who are so uh, big fans of MMA but are so against pro wrestling. MMA is pro wrestling. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Um, A, just the fact that MMA at its very core and its roots came from pro wrestling, you know, stuff over uh, in, in Japan and things like that. Uh, it's seeing the rise of guys like Conor McGregor who are cutting promos and to some degree playing a character. I mean, I think recently we've kind of seen that he's believed in his own hype uh, a little too much, but that's where you start to see your guys like Patty, uh, who <laughs> is a character, uh, but not in like a traditional wrestling sense. Um, uh, you know, I think, uh, the UFC is kind of in a place where, I mean, again, they're making hand over fist as far as money. Uh, and the big issue that Jake Paul actually brings up is, very interesting is how much the pay disparity is between you know a Dana White and the the top executives of the company and how much they make um, and bring in on pay per views and shows and tickets and stuff like that and how little the fighters get paid. Uh, truthfully, I've felt that way in general with 
combat sports for a long time, but even like pro wrestling, it's another thing, you know, you, you can kind of say, okay, well, pro wrestling's a little bit different and to some degree. Sure. Um, but, uh, the, you, you have the NFL who has a much greater uh, amount of their income going towards the athletes. Uh, Dana White always has excuses because he learned from Vince McMahon, <laughs> you know, uh, it, Vince and Dana White are two sides of the same coin as far as I'm concerned. So, um, but otherwise great fight, uh, great fight and great entrance. And it was a fun, fun, uh, fun show. Uh, UFC 276. We'll get back to that in just a second. So our next story, uh, we cover some WWE stuff here and there here on the lockup, not day to day, you know, we're never going to do like uh, breakdowns of like raw of how we do some dynamites and things like that for AEW just because uh, neither of us are watching raw because it's not good <laughs> um to be fair outside of a couple things of wrestlemania this year i haven't watched wwe in close to four years um but regardless the whole wrestling world came together uh once again to congratulate Liv morgan on not only winning the money in the bank briefcase, but then going on to cash in her money in the bank briefcase on Ronda Rousey to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. So just want to give a quick shout out to Liv Morgan. Um, seeing kind of the growth and progression of her, uh, you know, I remember when she first kind of came into the fold in NXT and then eventually the main roster with the uh, Riot Squad, you had so many comparisons of she's an off-brand Carmella because her gear and to some degree her gimmick was very similar to what Carmela's was coming from NXT and to the main roster. So uh, seeing her evolve and getting the fan support and like all this stuff is, is very, I'm, I'm very happy for because everything I have heard from people I know that actually know her. I mean, she is one of the nicest people in the entire world. She works hard, um, and that is the kind of stuff I love to see. You know, that is the kind of stuff that if WWE would maybe do a little bit more of, like, rewarding the talent that are busting their ass for them, uh, maybe there's a chance, you know, I would more regularly watch them. But uh, regardless, again, Liv Morgan, congratulations, uh, May a long and prosperous reign for you as the SmackDown Women's Champion. So our final story of the top of the show is that Cowboy Donald Cerrone officially retired from MMA at UFC 276. Cowboy Cerrone, who finished with a 36-17 and 17 record, retired from mixed martial arts this Saturday immediately following a submission loss to the 38-year-old Jim Miller at UFC 276. So this has been reported by ESPN. Uh, before the bout, Cerrone said he intended to fight two more times beyond this weekend, but instead he opted to call it a career. Something that he said after the fight in the post-fight uh, talk in the cage with Rogan is he doesn't love it anymore. Um, and again, I'll, I'll plug my own channel. I did a video kind of surrounding this sort of discussion, but that is refreshing to see, you know, um, I think MMA fans, combat sports fans, pro wrestling fans, we all want to see, you know, guys we respect guys we look up to, 
have that moment of, okay, I, you know, you can walk away. We're done. Um, you know, something in the world of pro wrestling, you know, I felt like the undertaker stuck around way too long. Um, you know, it, towards the end, it was getting really sad. You know, of course you had that famous situation over in Saudi Arabia between the undertaker and Goldberg who almost broke the undertaker's neck. Uh, I mean, it's something that it's sad. It is sad to see, you know, a, a favorite guy or a guy you really respect retire and walk away from the thing, uh, thing you've seen him do and know that he loves. But when it gets to the point of no returns anymore and all it's doing is damaging the show, it's damaging themselves, it's damaging their family it's something you have to really take into consideration. I mean, famously, referees, they're there to protect the fighters. But after the fight, who's to protect the fighter afterwards? Um, and, of course, ultimately, it is up to the fighter to protect themselves and figure out, okay, can I keep doing this? Uh, can I do this at the level I was and make adjustments? That's something that, you know, the fighter themselves ultimately has to do as his team around him, his family, his support system to help. But it's a thing with him. Uh, and again, I'm casual MMA guy. The main fight I really saw Cowboy have was, of course, the Conor McGregor return fight. When I was watching those vlogs that they do leading up to the fights, I fell in love with Cowboy. You know, he is a hard worker. He very much known as the guy who, if you have someone call out, hey, put me in, you know, whether it's a week, a month, you know, two weeks out from the fight, he's ready to go. He's ready to get in there. Uh, and that's something I really respect. I mean, especially in a MMA sport, like in a sport like MMA, I mean, that is not easy to do. That is really, really difficult to be able to do in it obviously hurts your body a lot more. It makes your body uh, waste away a lot more. It hurts you of not being able to properly re recover, which, of course, that was kind of one of the big things that ultimately led to him struggling with some of his most recent fights is that he's not really had the time to recover because he's going from one fight to the next fight to the next fight. Um, and that's something that, again, it's respectable. Is it smart? <sighs> Yeah, you know, it, it probably not, especially in MMA where concussions and broken bones and things like that are so, so common, but that's what he wanted to do. He did it his own way. And now the cowboy gets to ride out, uh, on his horse on the sunset and I'm happy for him. Uh, again, this is something, you know, I ultimately there is this show with, uh, Ric Flair called Ric Flair's Last Match, where he is going to be wrestling. Um, Ric Flair is currently 73 years old. He has uh, one of those machines for his heart. Uh, just a couple years ago, he almost died, and he has decided to have one more match. And again, I said it with Undertaker before. I'll certainly say it with Ric Flair, because, I mean, he's retired three, four times now. Uh, Terry Funk is <laughs> retired freaking almost 70 times, I want to say, but 
you got to be able to let it go. Uh, that's something that I look at in the creative world and with other things I do is making sure that I leave on a high or at least that when things are starting to go down and I notice that, okay, let's, let's pack it up. Uh, and it's, it's sad. It's sad when people don't. And, you know, uh, I definitely don't believe that there aren't people sitting there saying, Hey, you know, maybe you should slow down. Maybe you should, you know, stop. But again, again, maybe they have those people and they just aren't listening, but that's the kind of stuff you need. Uh, if, if you yourself don't have that self-awareness, you need the people to be around you that do have that self-awareness. Um, so ultimately, again, congratulations to the cowboy on a great, great career. Uh, happy to see <laughs> he, he mentioned that he wants to be a movie star, so I'll be looking out for that first movie. Uh, I, I think I think he he can do some impressive stuff. Uh, again, his home life, uh, from what we see, the the man himself, I am very impressed with, I respect greatly. So congratulations, Donald Cerrone, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll be seeing you soon some way or another. All right, and now we are at the top story of the show. Um, so this comes from Wrestling Observer Live yesterday. Andrew Zarian reported that Warner Media Discovery have said they would love for AEW to do more pay-per-views next year. There isn't any pressure or demands, but they are highly encouraging it. Um, so here are my thoughts of this. You know, I very much am a fan of kind of the old school schedule that kind of AEW has right now as far as having the four pay-per-views a year. Um, you have your special editions of Dynamite and Rampage, and then now you have those four uh, TV special Battle of the Belts on TNT. Um, I I feel that, obviously, I mean, this year, technically, they'll have five, including Forbidden Door, that just happened. I, I'm, I'm nervous about that. Um, so this is something that Dane and I have kind of been talking about recently actually is just how there are some of the issues as far as we're starting to see more WWE likeness kind of creeping in slowly into to, to AEW, which uh, obviously, you know, if it's certain things and they do it better uh, or do it differently, then uh, that, you know, that's different. You know, you also have to take into consideration too is, you know, Tony not only has his four pay-per-views a year with AEW already, the Dynamites every single week, the Rampages every single week, the Battle of the Belts once a quarter. He also has ring of honor now uh you know he has their pay-per-views to do he has hopefully soon their tv that he wants to control um so that's something that i'm very very nervous about is because uh i in general i'm very confused as far as why tony is so con so much wanting the book on ring of honor um obviously he bought it it's it's his so of course i mean i i get that part but why is he not bringing or elevating like a qt marshall who as far as i'm aware is the guy who runs like the dark and dark elevation shows um why is he not moving him up to to ring of honor that way you know tony obviously has the final say but 
Tony doesn't have to deal with the day to day writing the shows. He he can come up with the storylines and as far as like kind of overarching things and ideas. Absolutely. Like, obviously. But I am very nervous of him overworking himself. I mean, even outside of wrestling, he has Fulham. He has the Jackson Jaguars. He has other businesses that probably none of us know about. Uh, I'm super, super nervous <laughs> about that. And also, this is actually something I've just thought about, too. So there has been a rumor um, ongoing with all these different situations as far as like the upcoming TV deal and people being afraid because of the Discovery uh, Warner Media merger of them not seeing a W and new executives coming in and not one wrestling on the station WCW thing. The big difference of course, between WCW and AEW is that Warner does not have ownership of AEW. However, the, again, this is just something that as I'm reading back, that quote is very interesting to me is so as far as has been disclosed outside of their contract agreement and stuff like that, Warner does not own or have a financial, a direct financial stake outside of the contract of them being on their shows. Anything like own a W in any part, which means they really would not outside of, I guess, BR live wouldn't possibly be the big thing, but they don't really have any stake in the pay-per-views already. Um, and there was like a rumor going around that in in some of these recent deals of like re-upping it so that they would move to TBS for more money and then do the Battle of the Belts and stuff like that. Potentially, Warner had gotten like its tiny percentage or like some sort of certain deal of like, you know, working with, of owning a part of AEW. Um a very small part, I I would assume. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, again, this is just me kind of reading that quote back, and it just came to my head. Um, but regardless, as far as the topic at hand of more pay-per-views, uh, this year they are doing five because, you know, Forbidden Door just happened, and that was an extra one. You have All Out coming up in September. Um I feel like the max I would really want is six. Um, I, I feel like if they go that pay-per-view a month route, A, they would certainly have to get rid of like the, the $50 price tag. They would have to do like a get on HBO Max and it's included in HBO Max or bring down the price a lot more or something. Um, but I would imagine they're smarter than to do 12 pay-per-views a year. Um, I feel like six would be like a perfect kind of counterpoint uh, as far as making sure that making sure that you're giving ample time to be able to build these stories, but also not over overshadow your TV and make your TV less important because ultimately, like, yes, the pay-per-views are important. But TV is kind of the bread and butter of professional wrestling right now. Uh, obviously, the last go around, we saw that huge increase that WWE got for Raw and NXT. And then also Fox getting in there with SmackDown. I mean, 
AEW getting a, a pretty decent, okay deal at the very start. And then these two to three upgrades to their contract that they've gotten have been amazing. Um, and that's kind of the thing that I worry about is because you have Dynamite every week. You have Rampage every week. But then if you have six to eight pay-per-views a year, you're starting to do less of you know, these special dynamites and making your TV less important, which obviously the old heads still get mad about like things like, why do you put Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega for the title on pay-per-view, especially the opening mat or I'm sorry, on TV uh, as the opening match? Well, it's to show that things can happen on TV. Exciting matches can happen on TV. Uh, and that's kind of one of the things I like about AEW is that, Sure, not every single week is going to be perfect. Not every single week is going to be the most exciting. You got to have those filler episodes. You just got to. Um, but I like that even outside of like your winter is coming, fighter fest, like beach break, like shows, like even just that one off of, okay, you know, say, say just an example, say they do a, uh, say they do a FTR, the FTR Young Bucks. AW title match uh on dynamite that's huge that's awesome that's a pay-per-view level match that you can use on tv should they do that match on tv no uh but again when you get those interesting exciting things that makes the tv that much more exciting to to watch every single weekend to see what's coming up on the next shows and stuff like that so uh my thoughts on more pay-per-views a year for AEW. Um, less is more. Uh, I would be completely happy if they kept the four, if they do Forbidden Door every year, five pay-per-views a year, um, and just keep doing the Battle of the Belts and things like that. Maybe instead of everyone being Battle of the Belts, it can you know you can actually do names, which to be true. Truthful, I thought that's actually what they would do. Um, and, and keep your special dynamites. I mean, I really do not think AEW needs or should have more than six pay-per-views a year. Um, and with Ring of Honor, I mean, that's kind of a perfect split of you get an AEW pay-per-view, you get a Ring of Honor pay-per-view, you get an AEW pay-per-view, Ring of Honor pay-per-view, and that synchronization too will be nice for the the schedule it won't be like anything crazy where you can avoid more of you know competing directly with your ufc your boxing your youtube boxing shows that tony has already moved shows for because he knows that's not smart to go against ufc or a jake paul or a ksi fight like he knows that that's not a smart idea um so with that said, let me know your guys' thoughts down in the comments below. Let me know how many pay-per-views do you think AEW should do? Uh, do you think a should AEW should keep with the schedule they have now? Uh, should they maybe up a couple things here and there? What are your thoughts? Let me know. Of course, if you guys are watching this on YouTube and want to hear the audio version, we have the links down below. You can listen to us every single week on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, and if vice versa, you're on one of those platforms, you want to see my pretty face, you can go to youtube.com slash nerf TV, and you can see all our episodes up there. So 
with that said, guys, I want to thank you guys so much for coming into the ring of the lockup. I appreciate you all, and we'll see you in the next episode.